The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. The follow-up today is with Bob Lanning, who in 1972 was the assistant manager operations for ABC Sports at the 1972 Olympics in Munich, Germany, when a Palestinian terrorist group took hostages and later killed 11 Israeli Olympians and a police officer. Bob, how did that event unfold for you? Well, it was, uh, as I said, we were working for ABC Sports, and I was in the operations department in the broadcast center, which coincidentally happened to be adjacent to the Olympic Village. Uh, And we were on the air uh, most evenings back to the United States, uh, getting off the air at 11 o'clock in uh, New York, uh, which was 4 a.m. in Munich. And um, I stayed around uh, that evening uh, a little beyond when most people cleared out all our studio announcers and producers and directors all left uh, and boarded buses and limousines back to the hotel. And I stayed around a little bit and was still in the broadcast center when things started to happen and nevertheless uh, never left until, you know, probably, I don't know, 24 hours or so later. Uh, Anyone that was in the broadcast center uh, when things developed stayed there for for to to help, but also as a security uh, and safety uh, uh, concern. Um, But but uh, it was interesting that as the buses of producers and directors and various other uh, production folks were leaving the broadcast center to head back to the hotel, they actually passed by the terrorists going over the fence. Uh, and at the time, the, 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 the security was pretty, not lax, but it wasn't to the degree that it was today. And it was simply just a fence, uh, uh, you know, separating the, the public and the Olympic Village. So it was very easy to scale the fence and going back in. And, and several of them, uh, as the buses pulled out, they looked at the buses and the, the uh, staff members waved at them, thinking that they were athletes that had been out in the village uh, in Munich celebrating overnight and were sneaking back into the village in the early morning hours. Wow, it's chilling just to, to think about. How did you know then that things had started to develop? Well, it was, you know, we were we were still inside, uh, and and I think, I'm not sure how it rippled down uh, and how it got to the, the, the highest levels of our, of our executives, but, I mean, we had shut down for the evening, and it was somewhat of a skeleton staff uh, that was still in the broadcast center when we started to hear that something had happened, and I'm not sure clearly, you know, I don't know that anyone heard gunshots or whatever else, but it was we, we started to be told, get ready to go back on the air again uh, and get ready to, you know, to sort of cover a news event. Uh, and, and at the time, I mean, we were all sports employees, but but uh, but we switched hats and started doing uh, broadcast coverage. There were there were people that were production assistants that were handed walkie talkies. And uh, the guy that ultimately became executive producer of American Sportsman. 
uh, took a walkie-talkie and literally crawled through the bushes so that he could uh, report back on what he was seeing from uh, from a vantage point that was that was you know uh, covered in, in you know he was in the trees but he could at least see. And the other interesting point was at the time we didn't have any ABC didn't have. Uh, uh, portable equipment that could just, you know, be deployed and get over there as they do in the broadcast industry today. We were pushing studio cameras on tripods out on a little terrace level that that allowed a vantage point, coincidentally, back towards the building where the hostages were being held. Did they see you do that? The terrorists? Um, I, I don't think i mean clearly we were a distance away it was certainly uh, i'm going to say 100 yards maybe more so i i i I don't in any of the video that we've ever shot i don't think i've ever seen them with binoculars i don't think they really cared that the tv coverage was was being seen um but it was it was a it was a chilling uh sort of day that 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 you know you, you in today's world you're almost a little more accustomed to this kind of thing happening but back then you know it was brand new um you know what would they do uh, was anyone really injured uh, um you know would everyone get out okay you know no one really knew what to expect did you feel safe the whole time yeah i i i never really thought about it it was sort of spring into action start doing what you can do how do we cover it? Uh, clearly, there was a lot of communication going back and forth between uh, Munich and New York, uh, a lot of communication at the highest levels with Rune Arledge, who was president of ABC Sports, and, uh, and, and Leonard Goldenson, the chairman at that point of ABC, in terms of what we were going to do. Um, would ABC News cover it? Would ABC Sports continue to cover it? Um, it, was, it was, I never felt uh, unsafe. Um, but we just sort of were doing a job and, and it was almost, almost a little surrealistic in the sense that it was a news happening that was uh, unfolding right before us. And yet we weren't the viewers, we were the participants. When, when did you decide and, and how did the decision go down to go live? Um, well, I, I think it was just a matter of get up and as long as we knew that we could get pictures um, uh, and, and to the degree that you could. Uh, I mean, it wasn't as in-depth reporting and, and video scene like you have today. We only had a certain number of vantage points. And, and just coincidentally, the, uh, the terrace that the guy with the hat on uh, could be seen from the locations that our cameras were able to uh, be moved into. Um, but it was probably sometime over the course of the evening once they felt that uh, uh, once New York felt that we could we could get on the air and appropriately cover it, um, it became more of a of a almost a live event as opposed to uh, you know just news bulletin coverage, breaking story. Okay, we'll get back to you later. Um, but the the interesting point was that uh, many people through the years have have wondered or have said, well, you know, Jim McKay was hosting the Olympics, and the reality was Jim McKay was not hosting. Jim was was a venue uh, uh, announcer at that point. Chris Shankle was the actual host of the Munich Games. 
but but as I said, at four o'clock when we got off the air, Chris was one of the first people out and back to his hotel room to get some rest. Uh, and Jim McKay, who uh, was um, at that time headed towards the swimming pool with his young son, Sean, uh, to, to uh, spend a little bit of day before he, he had to be in, in the evening, uh, was called into action. Room called him and told him to get over to the broadcast center. And I don't even know that he told him at that point what was going on, but he told him he needed them. Uh, and during that subsequent, whatever, 24 hours, uh, Jim, uh, on, under his pants, was still wearing his bathing suit. Hmm. Do, you, do, you, do you remember anything about Jim's demeanor all these years later? It, Jim, uh, Jim was an absolute professional. He had some news experience, I believe, when he started in the business uh, in the Baltimore area. Uh, he had worked for a newspaper at one point. So he, he was a journalist at heart, and all the years that I worked with him at ABC Sports, I always felt that not only did he cover the events, but, but he was very journalistically sound in the way he covered the events. Uh, it, was, it was more storytelling than just you know X's and O's and statistics. Uh, he always brought, I thought, a, a, a high level of insight and storytelling uh, to his, his uh, presentations. Um, you, you always, I always felt that when I left an event, having worked it with Jim or worked on a, on the production side of, of events, uh, years later, I always felt that I learned something about either the place I was in, the athletes that we were watching, uh, maybe the, the, the country, the travel. I always learned something that I didn't know before because of the way Jim told stories. And then fast forward to. Jim saying they're all gone. How did you end up with the reporting on the ground and getting even more resources on the ground to be able to do the reporting, if at all? Well, it was it was uh, by that time they had moved uh, the the surviving uh, athletes into, I believe, buses, if I remember, and and had moved them off to one of the uh, airports, I think it was a military airport in the Munich area, uh, where they had set up helicopters to hypothetically take the, uh, t the terrorists to wherever they wanted to go. Uh, and um, when, when it was a, a, a foiled uh, rescue, uh, they, I believe the Munich police had sharpshooters on the roof, uh, and the intention was to take out the terrorists. And I think they they actually succeeded in taking out several of them. But uh, one had a grenade in his hand and tossed it into the helicopter that uh, that that had the athletes in it. And that's how they died. Um, but it was it was Rune Arledge had a really good sense uh, also of storytelling and making sure that facts were correct. Uh, and he had people that were his senior staff producers uh, in and out of the control room all day, all day, all evening, uh, checking on, uh, on, on, you know, the status of the operation, what was going on. He didn't want to report anything that later might be found to be untrue uh, or false or, or inaccurate. Um, and he was very, very uh, precise about we have to know anything before we report it. 
Um, and, uh, and, and we, I mean, there were people that were members of ABC sports that were on the ground in Germany working for probably five or six years before the Munich games. They almost went from the previous Olympics directly to Munich and started working. So they had really great relationships at the highest level of the government, of the police. Uh, they had been certainly at security meetings, uh, you know, throughout the four years leading into those games. So they had very deep contacts in, in knowing what was going on. But Rune, Rune was absolutely uh, adamant about, you know, we cannot report anything until we know it for sure. And it was only once he was, I don't know where he actually got the information from, but someone at, at, at some point had told him that they, they all had, were gone at that point. Well, what was it like for all of you when you got back to New York City after such an event? Well, it, it's still to this day, uh, you know, when I, when I think about it, it was, it was, um, first thing, it was a very sad event, a uh, sure. very, very, I mean, I mean, we went, even went through a portion of, in those subsequent hours after the, it was announced that the athletes had been killed of whether the Olympics would be suspended or postponed. Uh, and, and there was a short period of time where we didn't think we would be on the air and that the Olympics would be done. Uh, and then I was made, the decision was made that we're not going to let the terrorists uh, succeed uh, in stopping the Olympics and the games would go on. It was a very somber time. The excitement, the Munich people were trying so hard to change the, the, the global maybe feeling about Germany after World War II. They, they dressed the city and the venues in pastel colors. There was a very lessened feeling of police presence. Uh, I mean, they, they certainly had enough uh, security in the areas, but they, they tried to downplay it. And it was supposed to be a, a very friendly and warm and welcoming games. So when all of this went down, it was, it was a very somber time. We all sort of continued to do our jobs, but the, the fun and the, and the excitement sort of was lessened. And I, I think that was true through the, through the broadcast teams, all the production folks and ABC staff. But I think it was also felt by the athletes as well. I'm here. I'm going to try my hardest, but it's just not the same. And I think that that, that translated when we got back, it was still like, hey, what, what did I witness? What did I just go through? Um, you know, and, and through the years, I've thought back to that situation many, many, many times about what went on and what happened. Um, but like most tragedy, you tend to remember the good moments uh, of, of something that happened and less about the tragedy and, 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 and things that didn't, didn't go as well. And what were those good moments? Um, I just think the celebration, the Olympics were something very, very special for all of us at ABC. Uh, AB, ABC at the time was, you know, it was called the Network of the Olympics. They had televised, though, I don't know, probably 15 or, or so Olympics. And it was something that we all looked forward to for for many years. Uh, and knowing that, OK, we, we you know, I wasn't in uh, Mexico in 68, but but there were many people that I worked with that were. Uh, and Grenoble and, and uh, many of the Olympics before that. And they were looking forward to being there, being part of it, working hard. Uh, and, and it was a celebration. It was, it was a way 
the Olympics were very special. If you remember back then, they were held every four years. Uh, it wasn't the two-year cycle that it is now. So when the Olympics came around, it was a big deal. And the technology, uh, getting pictures uh, live from Munich back to the United States was not an easy task back then, uh, not like it is certainly today. Um, but you, it was, it was just a, a time that everyone looked forward to. And it was one of those things that we, in past Olympics and large events that you might work on, you have a feeling that, okay, well, I did a great job and it was a great event and boy, wasn't that special. We all sort of came home. It was a very quiet plane ride coming home. The, the excitement and the uh, exuberance of, of doing a big event like the Olympics certainly wasn't the same. Bob, I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Bob has had an illustrious TV career and to no surprise, that event stays with him to this day. I've been fortunate to call a few college football games this season with Bob producing, and I immediately felt calm at the mic with Bob running the show. Not always the case with a first-time broadcaster-producer pairing. Have you rated and reviewed the podcast yet? It takes 30 seconds, and it means a great deal, so please do so. Also, go back and listen to any number of the previous episodes. Actors, athletes, photographers, lawyers, writers, entrepreneurs, all people in my life with a story to tell whether they thought so initially or not. And we can continue all of these conversations on Twitter at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Thanks for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The Follow-Up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. <laughs>